Scott of SJWellfare.com, Final Days Report, Episode 112. We're calling this Destruction of the Chicken Supply, Weaponized Testing. Folks, they're using PCR tests to determine if chickens have bird flu. Ice Age farmer, two massive attacks are being per perpetrated against the food supply. Bird flu epidemic is sweeping Europe and the United States. Again, fueled by PCR tests, forcing massive population of poultry and backyard flocks. PCR test inventor basically said you cannot use the PCR test to determine illness. And another bit that I found interesting with this whole biosludge and farms contaminated with PFAS are being shut down as it is finally revealed that the biosludge applied to farms, including organic, was the equivalent of salting the earth to destroy food production. Natural News, Mike Adams covered biosludge a lot. And that, what really bugged me, because it is a resource if treated appropriately, but you think of all the pharmaceuticals in people and their waste, and then also plastics and the different trash. It just seemed really, really nefarious. But let's continue reading. Chickens are tested for flu in a similar way to how people are tested for COVID-19. The lab mostly uses fast and cheap antibody tests and it also has the ability to conduct PCR tests, antibody tests, show if a chicken has developed antibodies against a particular virus while PCR tests show scientists how much of a viral load the chicken is carrying. It's like, so what? You know, I've told the story before when I traveled the world a bit, not a ton, just a little bit. The person that I took the place of, you know, they used to travel to some developing nations and everybody would get sick, but this one person, it, they ended up finding out that he actually, he actually was drinking his own waste, his septic system was leaching into his aquifer. <laughs> so he was never sick. You know, he built up his immune system. And then once he found out he was drinking his own feces and corrected it, then he became the sickest one of the bunch. But yeah, you take a look at what they're doing here. Let's read the inventor. The scientist who invented the PCR test kit was Kerry Mullins. He actually won the Nobel Prize for this. This technology is what they use today to test the so-called coronavirus said to be the cause of disease, the health authorities such as the World Health Organization vaguely and inconsistently defined or identified. Mullins is among the many scientists who bravely questioned the narrative of HIV AIDS hypothesis. Mullins did not believe the mainstream globalist elite funded science is claiming that HIV retrovirus is causing the AIDS disease. He was an important member of the group of reprisals of the HIV AIDS hypothesis, the 500 member protest organization pushing for a re-examination of the cause of AIDS. According to him on his 1992 spin interview, PCR made it easy to see that certain people are infected with HIV and some of those people came down with symptoms of AIDS, but that doesn't begin to even answer the question, does HIV cause it? He goes on to talk about how he wanted to debate Fauci. I'm going to play a couple of videos. Many of you that are awake have seen these, but he's just like, you can find anything with a PCR test. It amplifies everything. It just is something that will make you paranoid. If you, if you, if you can say, if, if, if they wanted, if, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to, to claim that it's meaningful. But 
the, the real misuse of it is, is that it, you don't need to test for HIV. You don't need to test for the other 10,000 retroviruses that are unnamed also in the subject. See, somebody that's got HIV generally is going to have almost anything that you can test for because they have definitely been, HIV is a fairly rare virus. There's only one million of us out of 250, 300 million people in America that have that virus. So you have to get around, either your mother had to have it and pass it to you, or you have to really be paying a lot of attention to people that do have it and paying only attention to them and get a pretty good chance of getting it that way. It's hard to get it, but it, if you have it, there's a good chance you've also got a lot of other ones because you've been in the, in the market for you've been, it's been possible for you to get a lot of, it's, it's, it's a, to test for that one and say that has any special meaning is what I think is the problem. Not that PCR has been misused, it's like, it's not an estimation, no, it's, a real, it's a really quantitative thing. It How tells you it? something about nature and about what's there, but it, it, it allows you to take a very minuscule amount of anything and make it measurable and then talk about it in meetings and stuff like it is important. See, that, that, that's not a misuse, that's just sort of a misinterpretation. Even after all the, these uh, uh, PCR, this quantitative PCR, that if you just get down to a basic virological count, it's still one in a thousand to one in ten thousand uh, HIV in one to one in a thousand, one in five hundred to one in a thousand T cells. It, it is. No, that, that, there's very little of what they call HIV, and what's been brought out here by Phil Pot and, and, and Isai already. The measurement for it is not is not exact at all. It's not it's not as good as our measurement for things like apples. An apple is an apple. You know, you can get something that's kind of like, if you've got enough things that look kind of like an apple and you stick them all together, you might think of it as an apple. But, and, and HIV is like that. Those tests are all based on things that are invisible and they are, the results are inferred in a sense. <laughs> Find anything in anybody. What is it, what, what is it about humanity that, 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 that wants to go to the, all the details and stuff and listen, you know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking, you know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face, nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope and if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy and he doesn't understand medicine. He, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans, don't, don't get me wrong, but basically there is a, there is a, there's a vast, the vast majority of them do not possess the, the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean, that's a problem, that's a main problem actually with science, I'd say, in this century because science is being judged by people, funding is being done by people who don't understand it. Okay, who do we trust? Fauci? Fauci doesn't know enough. To, you know, if Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it because he's been asked. I mean, I've had a lot of people 
president of the University of South Carolina asked Fauci if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because wants to debate Fauci. <laughs> you can find anything in anybody. So I was listening to a minister who actually is debating pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib rapture. And he went on to talk about how all this technology is around the surveillance state. How are you going to survive, you know, if you if you are a mid-trib or even post-trib person? I'm more of a post-trib rapture, so I think we'll be here for the entire seven years. Mid-trib, I'm okay with. That's how I was the majority of my Christian walk. Pre-trib is just flat-out nonsense. Do not believe that for a second because it could be a soul trap. I've heard many Christians say, oh, I don't have to worry about the mark of the beast because I'll be raptured out of here before that happens. No, 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 no. Don't fall for that, my friends. But in any event, I thought it was a good question with all this surveillance, how could you survive? And I ended up having a dream. I follow this YouTuber. I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but she has like 1.5 acres. She has goats, sheep, chickens, ducks, permaculture, you know, food forest, and just an amazing garden. And she really has an interesting uh, setup. She's very, very frugal, probably doesn't look the best. You know, she has a couple greenhouses that just seem to have plastic over them. Um, she uses pallets a lot, but man, she produces a lot of food. She reminds me of a Proverbs 31 type woman, homeschools her kids. In any event, I had a dream where there was this drone going over her property, probably trying to spy on her. And all of a sudden, whoosh, something from the sky just wiped it out, just took it down and knocked it out of the sky probably protected her and her family to still produce food during these trying times. So, you know, I think that's a, a good thing for us because if we're going to be here for a long time, I'm telling you, the food supply is so tainted. They're really pushing nano sensors in the food as well, besides destroying the chicken supply. This is an article I just read that caught my eye, nano sensors in the food. Nanosensors in the food beverage industry and bioanalytical devices that are created by integrating combination of nanomaterials and biological receptors into system design. The transducers and nanosensors are composed of nanomaterials that are physically confined to a nanoscale, nanostructured surfaces, particles produced because of nanofabrication. The nanomaterials used in the nanosensors may be gold and silver nanoparticles, quantum dots, magnetic nanoparticles, graphene oxide and carbon nanotubes. There are various types of nanosensors and few common categories are highlighted in this article. So they go on to say, hey, you can barcode this stuff. You can have toxin detection, food pathogen detection, pesticide detection, monitor of key ingredients. You know, So they give all these benefits. Graphene oxide just took me back, right? This whole transhumanism agenda. Folks, we're gonna have to know and grow our own food even let's say you have a ton of money. I don't even know if you want to buy their food supply with this nano agenda, this transhumanism agenda. And one of those podcasts that we did about nanotech that with a certain frequency hits, it turns into a, a weapon against you. These are wild times, my friends. So obviously Revelation 6, they're priming seal two and three with the famine. You know, this is something that I was thinking about. One King 17 there's the manna where God fed his people manna during the great exodus, but this is just a great story with Elijah. 
Let's read 1 Kings 17. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan, and it shall be thou shalt drink the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So ravens were giving Elijah food. So he went and did according to unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith and before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, the bread and the flesh in the evening, and drank in the brook. Now he Elijah actually had and called upon a drought. So the brook's going to dry up. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up and because there had no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise, get thee to Zarephath where belongeth to Zidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And the story goes on where this widow woman basically ran out of food. Her son's on the verge of starving and Elijah shows up and she's just like, I have, you know, I know you're a man of God. I know I need to take care of you, but I just have, you know, just a little bit of food left. And then my son and I are going to die. And Elijah's like, go make me food. And then God just replenished the food for this woman. And she had to step out in faith. So folks, we need to walk with God. We need to step out in faith, my friends. I mean, these are wild times. God bless.